What's up, mortals? This is Austin Myths and Monsters, here to learn you a thing or two. In this episode, I'll be going over the story of Perseus, and what he does to Medusa, and then what he does to her head afterwards. This one starts with Acrisius, the king of Argus, and his daughter Danae. Acrisius was disappointed that he didn't have a son, so he decided to consult the oracle at Delphi. The oracle warned him that he would one day be killed by his daughter's son. Acrisius did not take the news well, and decided to lock Danae up in a courtyard and away from any penis that might get her pregnant. Her chambers were open to the sky, and in comes Zeus, who sees a desperate lady in need of some action. He gives her a golden shower, and boom, Danae becomes pregnant. Acrisius panics because he knows that the child Danae gives birth to will be his doom. He can't just kill his daughter because killing family members is taboo, and killing the children of Zeus is super taboo. Sure, you can argue that he loved his daughter and couldn't bring himself to harm her, but you won't when you find out what he does next. Acrisius finds some kind of cosmic loophole where he locks his pregnant daughter in a box and ships her off to sea. So, you know, the sea killed her, not him, which is bullshit. But whatever, he doesn't get in trouble by the gods, but Zeus does intervene for the sake of his latest booty call. He asks Poseidon to calm the sea so that Danae and her baby can survive the journey. They wash up on the shore of Seraphos, where they were found by the fisherman Dictus. Dictus helps raise Perseus. Dictus was also the brother of the king of the island, Polydectus. Now, I don't know how one ends up as a king and the other a fisherman. I have no idea, but that's the way it was. So by the time Perseus is 15, he's by far the tallest person on the island, standing a head taller than any other man. He's the best at sports, you know, running, wrestling, boxing, javelin throwing, boat rowing, harp playing, you know, the major sports. He's the best at all of them. So word quickly gets around the island that he's not just a mortal man and his unknown father must be Zeus, which he totally was. Dictus raised him to be brave and truthful and gentle and other good qualities. Unlike Dictus, who was a genuine good guy, his brother was a greedy asshole. So when Polydectes saw Danae one day, he decided he wanted to marry her. Danae had no interest in him. Polydectes reacted as every other powerful male in Greek mythology does when he's rejected by throwing a giant fucking tantrum and being a prick. He decides that if he can't have Danae as a wife, then he'll take her as a slave. This all happens while Perseus is out on the island of Samos and has no idea what's going on back home. Perseus falls asleep on the sand and has a weird dream. He finds himself in a forest and out from the trees walks a woman taller and more beautiful than any he had ever seen. She's wearing armor and carrying a spear. She tells him that she has a job for him to do. Perseus asks who she is and she tells him that it's Athena, the goddess of wisdom. Then she breaks into this long monologue about the way that men live. Some grow fat and rich, but don't help anyone out and end up dying in old age and go down unloved into the underworld. The other kind live as heroes and fight monsters and drive strange paths. There is great danger in this kind of life, and some may die very young while others may live into old age. Then she asks Perseus which life sounds better to him, and he basically gives the answer of live fast, die young, leave a pretty corpse. Athena is like, great, that's the right answer. Now are you brave enough to slay this creature? And she used her shield like a television and shows him images of Medusa. Medusa's a gorgon with snakes for hair and a forked tongue. Whoever looked upon her face would be turned to stone. Perseus says, holy shit, if there's anything this horrible in the world, then it will be a great service to kill it. Athena tells him, oh yeah, she's super evil and definitely deserves to be killed, but you are still too young to face her. I'll be back. And if you don't know the story of how Medusa became a monster, well, here it is. Medusa was originally a beautiful woman with wonderful hair. Poseidon, the god of the sea and of horses for some stupid reason, decided she was real sexy and wanted to have her. 
The gods aren't the type of people to ask for consent. So Medusa fled to the temple of Athena to beseech the goddess for protection. Poseidon didn't let something like a holy site stop him from rape, so he forced himself on her. Then afterwards, Athena was pissed that her temple was defiled by this vile act. Instead of going after the perpetrator, she blamed the victim. So Athena took a page right out of our justice system and basically asked Medusa what she was wearing to draw the attack, and then cursed her to be a horrible monster that turns people to stone. So Athena telling Perseus all about how horrible this monster is and she needs to be killed, it's all bullshit. Medusa was cursed because Poseidon's an asshole. Then Perseus wakes up and starts his journey home. As soon as he gets home, he learns of his mother's imprisonment and storms the castle. He's the best at sports, so no one can actually stop him. He finds his mom and goes to bring her out of the room, at which point Polydectes thinks it will be a good idea to jump in front of the rampaging demigod. Perseus, of course, kicks the dude's ass. Danae reminds Perseus that they are guests in this foreign land and the people might not look too kindly on him beating their king to death. Perseus thinks that's a really good point, so he ends up letting Polydectes go, but still walks out with his mother. Polydectes is like pissing himself on the floor at this point, and all the punches has made him realize that maybe he should let the two pass without trying to stop them. So Perseus eventually takes his mother to the temple of Athena, where we have established that bad things happen, but she lives among the priestesses safe from the evil king. Polydectes does not learn his lesson. He knew that he would never have Danae for himself as long as her son Perseus, demigod of ass-whooping, was still on this island. So he came up with a plot to rid himself of him. Polydectes throws a huge feast and invites all the chiefs and landowners on his island. As is tradition, all the guests have to pay homage to their king. The king goes the extra mile to ask all of his guests to bring particularly lavish, lavish gifts like horses this time around. He knows that Perseus, having come to the island in a wooden box and being raised by a fisherman, doesn't have any wealth of his own and so can't produce much of a gift. All the guests gather and Perseus doesn't have a gift to give Polydectes and so the king starts to taunt him. Oh, don't you think I deserve a gift? I am the king after all and you should show me respect but you show me none, blah, 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 blah. As if he didn't fucking imprison his mother. Perseus insists that he'll get him the best gift ever. When everyone is laughing at him and Polydectes asks Perseus what gift he can get that would be so great, Perseus blurts out the head of Medusa, which causes everyone to laugh even harder. Polydectes then tells him that he's not allowed back on the island until he has it. Perseus marches off to a cliff, probably regretting his outburst. He starts praying to Athena, hoping that it wasn't just a dopey dream. To his luck, Athena and Hermes walk out of the clouds or something and come right to him. Athena tells him that the journey will be seven years long, and after he starts it, he won't be able to stop. He either has to complete it or die trying. Perseus is like, well, that sounds better than the party where those guys were kind of mean to me. Athena's like, great, stupid reason to be a hero, but I don't actually care. I just want to watch mortals kill shit. You'll have to travel to the far north, past the home of the Hyperbo Hyperboreans, to find the Grey Sisters. Then they can tell you where to find the Hesperides who can tell you where to find the Gorgon Medusa. And Perseus is like, but why? Really, the goddess of wisdom doesn't know where these things are? I have to travel around the entire fucking world to find this stuff out? She's like, yep, that's the way it works. And Perseus asks, wait, hold up. How do I survive the whole turn me to stone with a look thing? Athena gives him her shield and tells him to look in the reflection of the shield instead of directly at Medusa. Perseus says, great, that's a wonderful idea. But how do I travel across the sea without a boat? 
And also, how will I navigate? Because I don't know how to do that. And also, for scales are made from brass and iron, how do I actually cut through them? You know, I'm starting to second-guess this whole adventure thing. Maybe I just better go back and let them make fun of me. And Athena sighs. She's like, Jeez, this fucking kid. The other heroes don't need this much help. You can have Hermes' wing shoes. They can let you fly, and they'll guide you. You can also borrow his sword, I guess. It can kill her with one stroke. Is there any other problem? Perseus asks, Can I say goodbye to my mom? Also, should I make an offering to you? And to Hermes? And to Zeus, of course? Can't forget about the big man. Wow, that's a lot of stuff to do. I guess I should leave in a month or so? Then Athena just pushes his ass off the cliff and lets the sandals take their effect. Perseus starts flying through the air on the way to his unnecessarily long quest. I don't know how you're supposed to fly sandals. Like, does he have to run in place? Does he have to balance? Is it just like the Superman pose the whole time? Doesn't matter. After seven days of flying, he finally reaches the whereabouts of the Grey Sisters. They're three old crones, and they all share a single eye and a single tooth that they, like, rotate between them. They literally just pop it out and hand it over and pop it back in. Perseus approaches them and calls out, Hello, Wisdom is the daughter of old age, so you three must know a ton of shit. To which they replied, Did he just fucking call us old? Perseus is like, Uh, no, I meant that as a compliment, you know, because you're so wise. The Grey Sisters tell him, Oh, well, we don't like you. And then they go on an ignorant rant about how everything was better in the good old days, you know, like those conservative grandparents do. Like, I don't understand why these demographics that have historically been given the short end of the stick are suddenly so mad about it. Can't they just leave us and our wildly outdated notions of power structures alone? Perseus proceeds to steal their eye and hold it for ransom, which is a totally reasonable reaction. I would do the same thing if I had to sit through another rose-colored lecture about how great the 60s were. So they gave him directions to Atlas and the Hesperides, and he gave them back the eye. Then the shoes did their thing, took off into the sky. Eventually, the shoes took Perseus to a giant mountain, and he landed among the forests. He went exploring and followed the voices of nymphs singing. He found them dancing around the tree with the golden apple, the great serpent Ladon sleeping under its branches. Perseus hesitated here, not because he was afraid of the serpent, but because he was shy around girls. The nymphs see him and ask why he's hiding there in the forest. He tells them that he is on a mission from the gods to slay the Gorgon Medusa. And the nymphs, of which there may be three, five, or seven, respond, Instead of rushing to your death, why not just hang out here with us where it's always summer and we haven't been visited by a man in many years and we also don't like clothes and do like sucking things. And Perseus is like, nah, I gotta slay monsters, not get my wiener touched by several supernaturally beautiful women. To the winch, the nymphs are like, well, that's the dumbest decision anyone has ever made, but sure. We'll go ask Atlas where you have to go. Atlas tells them the location, but also that Perseus will never be able to get close to the Gorgon without the Hat of Darkness, which is Hades' personal hat. Perseus can't get the hat because it lies in the pits of Hades, but the Hesperides should be fine since they're immortal. One of the nymphs agrees to go get the helmet, and when she returns, she is right pissed off. She's like, we could be having an orgy, but instead I went to the fucking underworld for a hat so you can go slay a monster. Again, the dumbest decision ever. Before Perseus leaves, Atlas made him promise to use the head on him so that he can turn him into stone instead of having to deal with holding up the sky forever. I imagine it's fucking killer on the back. The Hesperides ask again if Perseus would rather get his wiener touched, but then he just puts the hat on to turn invisible and leave. Perseus finds Medusa where Atlas pointed him to. 
It's really not much of a battle. She can't see him, so he just sneaks up on her uh, while using the shield to navigate. And then he lops her head off. He wraps it in a goatskin sack and carries it away with him. He stops off at, the sea, at Atlas to turn into stone and then asks the nymphs the way home. Again, they ask Perseus to stay with him, to stay with them, the lonely maidens who are never visited by gods or men. And again, Perseus makes the horrible decision of being like, no, I got monster head tasks to complete. Let's not forget that this journey is supposed to take him seven years, but Athena never specified how he's supposed to spend that time. So like three weeks to find and kill Medusa and then almost seven years of boning super models. But no, that's not really his speed. So they give him directions and some magical fruit. Perseus really sounds like a magical fruit right now. But they give him some magical fruit so that he can eat it and it will satiate him for seven days. They tell him to head east to Libya and then turn north once he hits the desert. As Perseus is flying, drops of blood are falling from Medusa's head. Each one spawns a venomous asp or viper, which are still found in the desert today, obviously. So Perpe... Perpe... Nah, motherfucker. So Perseus fly directly into the middle of a desert and then turns north to return home. But he can't get any further. The wind is forcing him back. Not even the magic winged sandals can face the desert winds. He struggles like this for a full seven days, just trying to fight the weather with his shoes. It doesn't fucking work. Eventually, he decides that something is up. Duh. He asks the heavens, Hey, Athena, what the fuck? You told me to get the head and go home, but I can't. Seriously, what gives? And after several minutes, he still doesn't get an answer. He's like, hey, wait a minute. They told me these sandals would always lead me on the right path. And if I can't go that way, it's probably not the right path. Why it took him a full seven days, you know, 168 hours to figure out that some kind of magic fuckery was at place. That's less time than it took Aaron Ralston to decide to cut off his own foot. Perseus decides to keep heading east. He goes on and on in this direction comes across a few cities in Egypt where they are noticeably confused at how this white dude, at how white this dude is. Like a pale blonde giant just descended from the fucking sky. The people were going to notice. The priests want to meet him. The women want to meet him. Even the king wants to meet him. Perseus just wants to find some food so he can get back to his quest, which has mostly just been running in the air. He takes off again and he keeps heading east until finally he decides arbitrarily that he should go north and this time no wind stops him. He's flying along. He sees something weird out on a cliff over the sea. He flies down to find a woman chained to a rock. He thinks this is the most beautiful woman he has ever seen and absolutely has to free her. She screams when he gets close because not even people chained to rocks are ready to see some dude swoop out of the sky. He asks her what happened. She tells him, don't touch me. I'm cursed, bound to be a victim of the sea gods. They'll kill you if you set me free. Percy's like, let them try which is a cool thing to say as he slices through the trains, at, through the chains. You belong to me now, which is the opposite of a cool thing to say. The woman explains that her name is Andromeda and her mother is Cassiopeia. Cassiopeia boasted that her daughter was more beautiful than the Nereids, the daughters of Nereus. Now, it's already bad enough when humans think they're better than the gods at anything. The gods don't like it. They dish out punishments willy-nilly about it. Apollo flayed a man for having the audacity to think he was good at the flute. It makes it even worse that Nereus is the father-in-law of Poseidon. Cassiopeia lives in a coastal kingdom. So Poseidon sends the sea monster Cetus to destroy the kingdom. 
After consulting an oracle, Cassiopeia and her husband learn that they can save the whole kingdom if they sacrifice Andromeda, their daughter, who dared to be born beautiful in the first place. As Andromeda is explaining her story, the monster is approaching. Perseus sees it and tells Andromeda to cover her eyes. He flies out to meet the creature and unveils Medusa's head, which promptly turns the thing to stone. You may remember the scene from Clash of the Titans, which was a mythological travesty. The Kraken is a monster from Norse mythology. Why would Hades have control of the biggest, baddest sea creature instead of Poseidon? Why is Poseidon the god of horses at all? That last question has nothing to do with the movie. It just pisses me off. Perseus flies Andromeda back to her kingdom, where he meets her father, King Cepheus, who is so excited to have his daughter that he chained to a rock back. He asks Perseus to be his son-in-law and inherit half of his kingdom. Perseus is like, yeah, I'm definitely going to marry and then bone your daughter, but no, I'm not staying in this shithole. I need to get back to Greece. And they're like, well, how about staying for a year? So he agrees. Meanwhile, Cepheus' brother Phineas is upset with this new development. His own son was supposed to marry Andromeda. His own son, so Cepheus' nephew, so Andromeda's cousin. So Phineas is mad that his son can't marry his cousin. He goes to Perseus and demands to have Andromeda back. Perseus is like, Psh, your son wants a wife? Then he can go and rescue his own maiden. And all of the Cepheus' soldiers go to attack him at once. Perseus just pulls out the head of Medusa, and they all turn to stone. It really is one of the best weapons ever. There's no effort involved past holding the weight of a cantaloupe and not staring directly at it. Boom, turn all your enemies to stone. Perseus stays his year at the kingdom, as his time is winding down, he has another dream from Athena. She takes back all of the godly gifts, tells him to hold on to the head for a little while because he still needs to present it to Polydectes. Perseus gets a ship and sails on home with his new wife. Polydectes is having another party, and this time Perseus has a gift in mind. The guests don't recognize Perseus because it's been seven years. He was a teenager when he left, and now he's a grown man. Full beard, the works. Polydectes is only is the only one that recognizes him and decides to taunt him. Perseus does what he does best and just whips out Medusa's decapitated head. Everyone else turns to stone for being kind of mean to him seven years ago. He gives the entire kingdom to Dictus, who as a fisherman knows a whole lot about running a kingdom. Then Perseus just fucks off into the sunset with his wife and mother. That's it for the episode. If you enjoyed it, please like and subscribe. I now have a website up with like all the transcripts for the episode as well as some stories that were too short for like full length things. It's awesomemythsandmonsters.com.